The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Vinny Politan here with another audio edition of Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall on the Court TV podcast. This week's episode takes a closer look at the case of famed actor Robert Blake and the 2001 murder of his wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley, a case that fascinated the nation as it played out in real time. But was Bakley's killer someone from her checkered past or someone we thought we knew? Featuring interviews with Blake's private investigator, Scott Ross, journalist Linda Deutsch, and author Mary Murphy, this is Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall, if you can't do the time. This is the Court TV Podcast. You know who the actor Robert Blake is? Yes. Somebody just came to my house and said, call 911. Suddenly, the news breaks that Robert Blake's wife has been found murdered. Celebrity cases are a nightmare. Bonnie did despicable things. You lied to me, just double-crossed me, and those are big lies, baby. Whether it was in the courtroom or outside the courtroom, he was acting. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Those were the lyrics from the theme song to the 1970s television series Beretta. In 2001, the star of Beretta, Robert Blake, became a suspect in the shooting death of his newlywed wife. The question was, would he or anyone else do the time for that crime? Studio City is part of the San Fernando Valley, and it was basically a bedroom community for the studios. There are movie studios surrounding it. Robert Blake had lived there for a long time. His property was gated, but it just looks like a nice middle-class neighborhood. It's down the street from the Brady Bunch house, but the Brady Bunch house was much fancier than his house. Robert Blake is an actor. He's a good actor. He's acted since he was five, six years old. That's all he knows. He started out as a little rascal way, way back in the late 1930s when he was a, a little kid. I mean, he was in a whole slew of movies before he even turned 21. His performance in In Cold Blood is a classic. Anyone who watches it now will say it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Robert Blake plays Perry Smith in Cold Blood. Electric Glide in Blue was just like a short cop with an inferiority complex, sort of playing himself. You say Robert Blake, and there's a whole group out there that think, aha, Beretta. And they remember the guy with the cockatoo on his shoulder. Beretta was the pinnacle for him. He got this series. It ran for several seasons. It was very popular. He was playing a cop. And it was ironic because then he winds up in the middle of a crime case. 
Blake's favorite eatery in his uh, neighborhood in, in uh, Studio City was uh, a place called Vitello's. Vitello's is like every East Coast Italian restaurant with the red leather baguettes and a couple of famous people had dishes named after them. There was a Gary Marshall dish and a Robert Blake dish. He was married to a blousy bleach blonde from Memphis, Tennessee named Bonnie Bakley and the two of them went out to eat. They had dinner and then they left, went out to the car, which was parked out on the street some distance away from the, the restaurant. He took her to the car. He opened the door for her. She got in. And he suddenly realized that he had left his gun in the restaurant. He said that he carried it for her protection because she did get a lot of death threats. He has a concealed carry permit, so it's not illegal for him to have the weapon, but he goes back to get the weapon inside Vitello's, and she is in the car with the window down. And then he went back to the car and found her bleeding from the head, and he raced to the house that was closest, banged on the door, and the uh, man who came to the door recognized him and said, Robert Blake? And Blake told him to call 911. Fire permit, upright 30, address emergency. Okay, we need a woman was beat up at the, the craft. It's actually. How old is she? How old is she, Robert? 45 years She's old. 45 years old. My wife, get an ambulance here. Is she conscious? Is she conscious, Robert? No. Do you know who the actor Robert Blake is? Yes. Somebody just came to my house and said call 911. The thing about Robert's behavior that night really weighed in his favor. He tried to get her help. He was very upset. But it's not a normal type murder crime scene because the victim's still alive. So you sort of have to compromise certain aspects of the scene because the priority is for the victim to survive. If she survives or he survives, they get to tell you who shot them. Now, ultimately, we learned that she was shot from outside the car on the passenger side. She was shot in the shoulder. She was shot in the right side of her face. At the crime scene, when Blake is seen on the curb with the police officer, the reports indicated that he was throwing up. At the end of the tape, police walk him to a police vehicle, and they're almost kind of carrying him. I mean, it's very gentle, and they take him to the North Hollywood Police Station. They uh, continue questioning him. Uh, they also do a gunshot residue test. GSR is gunshot residue. It's residue left from the gunpowder that explodes, that, that shoves the projectile out the front. It's that action that causes uh, microscopic dust to come out. Robert's clothing, a lot of Robert's clothing was testing positive for GSR. They find a minimal amount of GSR. Robert's gun had been fired in a reasonable length of time. Simply by picking it up, we're gonna get a transfer. But the amount that was on there doesn't qualify him having pulled the trigger. He was not arrested that night. He was tested and he went home. Eventually, the gun that killed her was found. It was found in a dumpster at the scene right across the street from where the, the car was parked. 
what they find is a Walther P38. Unfortunately, that gun has been covered in oil, and so they can't get any other information off of it, any other fingerprints, DNA. It had a serial number, but it was not registered. What was really interesting about the gun is it was a World War II gun, and from actually from Nazi Germany. When the LAPD tested the weapon, it was evident that they could only get it to fire three times, and then it would jam. The gunshot residue was so plentiful because the chamber was so loose that it would blow out a very highly significant amount of GSR. Robert may have had at best a minimal amount of GSR. There's never any concrete evidence that this specific Walther P38 is connected to Blake. When she was killed, there were suspects as long as your arm of people that would have wanted her dead. Actor Robert Blake and Bonnie Lee Bakley were married for just six months before she was murdered. But who was she? What was her story? Blake and his high-powered attorneys seemed to want everyone to know all the sordid details. Bonnie Lee Bakley grew up in New Jersey, the same as Robert Blake. She tried to be in Hollywood. She came out here multiple times. She had a billboard on Sunset Boulevard with her phone number on it. Bonnie wanted to be in showbiz and decided it was too much work, so why not find a guy in showbiz? I believe she was a celebrity stalker. She went after Robert Blake after she had gone after Jerry Lee Lewis and Christian Brando. Anybody who was a star. Blake's career had gone downhill, and he used to hang out at jazz clubs and would meet women and go to bed with them, basically. And he said that Bonnie started talking to him, and they hit it off. By the time he drove her home and they pulled into the parking lot of the hotel she was staying at, they were already in the back seat having sex. He did not know that she was sending explicit photographs of herself to people all over the country, that it was a business. Bonnie, it turned out, was a, an operator, a con artist, a grifter. She had taken a lot of nude pictures of herself, which she sent out to lonely-hearted men. She would put ads in personals and say, uh, you know, if you send me some money, I will send you some really nice pictures of me. And she would send them nude photos of herself if they sent her enough cash. She would ask them to send her plane tickets and say she would spend the holidays with them. Of course, she wasn't going to. By the time she met Bobby Blake, she had a way of fleecing lonely, horny old men and taking them for everything that she could get her hands on. Bonnie had eight different levels in her program. And the eighth level was put me in your will. And ultimately, for example, in January prior to her death, we found a copy of a check that she had received from a life insurance policy for $72,000 for somebody that she had apparently married. She'd been married at least nine times that we know of before Blake. 
Robert's intent was to have a periodic sexual relationship with this person. Robert's intent was not to get pregnant, have a child, and develop a permanent relationship with this person. Bonnie Bakley is known for writing letters. She writes this letter to Blake to tell him that she's pregnant. She says in the first line, Hi, I hate to tell you this, but the pill did not work for me. He actually tries to talk her into getting an abortion, a conversation that is tape recorded by her because she was tape recording every conversation she had with him. You know, if you're going to do it, you have to do it really soon. I don't want to do it. I know you don't want to, but it would just make life so much easier for both of us forever for the rest of our lives. She was not going to get an abortion. Are you kidding? She was pregnant with the child of a movie star. It was her dream pregnancy. She was never going to get an abortion. The thing is, is I just, I can't pay that off and kill it, but obviously you can. So that's just as bad. You swore to me, you promised me, and that was all a lie. That's not a little lie. That's a big lie. That's the kind of lie that God looks down and says, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a big, awful, vicious lie. That's not true. I just wanted to be with you. As Bonnie gets more and more insistent, more and more weepy, Blake gets accusatory and essentially states the truth. The one thing in the world, you know, I was terrified of, was anybody getting pregnant. And you did it deliberately. Why? Not because you want to be with me. It has something to do with some crazy that's going on in your head that you want Robert Blake's baby for whatever weird, twisted reason, and that's all on you, baby, and you have to live with that. In this second letter, Bonnie Bakley is contacting Robert Blake and letting him know that she's had the baby. She tells him, quote, well, she looks just like you. Once he saw the baby, he knew. This is my child. And I think from that moment on, whatever fate was going to befall her was set in motion. He told me I knew this was my blood. And I adored her from the minute I saw her. He became somewhat obsessed with the baby, actually. After it became apparent with the paternity test that Blake was, in fact, the father, he did everything that he could to try to persuade Bonnie to give him custody uh, of the child. Robert Blake does not love Bonnie. He marries her because he's the father of the baby. And they got married between the house and the guest house. Maybe there were a few people there. There was no champagne for sure. He didn't live with her. She lived on another house on his property. He couldn't even stand to have her in his house. That's what he thought about her. Robert Blake wanted Bonnie Bakley out of his life, in my opinion, because he felt that she would ruin their child, Rosie. He loved that little girl, and he didn't want anything bad to happen to her. God only knows how many people over the years swore that they were 
going to get back at her, get even with her, or, you know, get her killed. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Who murdered Bonnie Lee Bakley? Police were investigating her husband, actor Robert Blake. But over the years, Bonnie had conned a lot of men out of a lot of money, any one of whom might have wanted her dead. There were so many potential suspects that police were forced to launch a nationwide investigation, one of the biggest in LAPD history. She had been threatened so many times and taken to task for what she had done to all these guys she'd left in her wake. God only knows how many people over the years swore that they were going to get back at her, get even with her, or, you know, get her killed. The police actually traveled all over the country interviewing men who had known her. She had a lot of enemies and a lot of threats. This investigation is easily one of the biggest in LAPD history. They end up traveling to 20 different states. Uh, they have 900 pieces of evidence over 150 witnesses. I believe Bonnie created many enemies who would want to take her out, but I'm not sure any of those enemies knew she was going to be at the Tellos that night and where she was going to be parked and that the, her partner was going to go back to the restaurant to pick up his gun and then come back and find her. No, I don't think her enemies knew that. Blake's story about what happened that night is full of holes. If you stop and think about it, Blake parked his car way, way back on a very dark street behind a l very large dumpster. So nobody could really see what was back there. His story was that she was in fear of her life. She was afraid people were going to kill her because she was swindling them. And so he took along his gun for protection of her. So they went to the restaurant, they had dinner, they went back to the car, he got her in the car, set her in the car and thought, oh my God, I, didn't, I don't have my gun. I must have dropped it at the restaurant. So instead of taking her back and protecting her, which he was supposed to do, he left her sitting in the car by herself and he went back to the restaurant. Somebody came up alongside of her and shot her while she was sitting in the passenger side of the car. Not Robert. Robert was not there. For Robert to lie in wait and wait till he's in a potentially crowded area where people are coming out of a restaurant, people are walking their dogs, it's absurd to think that Robert would try and do something like that. How do you know that somebody isn't looking out the window? In my opinion, Robert Blake orchestrated the murder. I don't think he pulled the trigger, no. But do I think he hired someone to do it? Absolutely. Initially, police, they suspect, it seems clear, that Robert Blake committed this crime, but they don't have any evidence, circumstantial or physical evidence, to prove it. About 10 days after the crime is committed, a man named Gary McLarty walks into the police station. Gary McLarty is a stuntman. He had actually been a stuntman for Robert Blake before. He tells the police he has a tip. He says that Robert Blake has come to him and offered him $10,000 to murder his wife. 
Ronald Hamilton uh, was another stuntman like McClarty that had known Blake over the years. And he too said he was solicited by Blake to do in his wife. And that became a lead for the two detectives uh, that were assigned to the case. They go to talk to Hamilton, and Hamilton tells them he's never going to speak with them about it. Police know they need Hamilton to come forward. They put together a grand jury, and they subpoena him. Once he gets that subpoena, he actually decides to speak with them. One of the things that Hamilton tells police, and this is a huge break for them, on the day he's driving around with Robert Blake, he tells Robert Blake that he should buy a calling card. And he says the reason to do this is because they're untraceable. Robert went to a 7-Eleven down the street from, from the house, from Dillard, I think on Tahunga, uh, down, right down from Vitello's, in fact. And he purchased the calling card. Police are able to find the 7-Eleven. They're able to find how many cards were sold that day, and then to subpoena records from AT&T, which show all of the calls Robert Blake made with that card. The stuntmen were very important to the case. They're the ones that made the case get filed in the first place. The case was being investigated for about a year. Then suddenly, without much warning, we got word that Robert Blake was going to be arrested, that they were filing charges against him. Blake was held without bail because of the special circumstances of lying in wait. He was put in jail, and he stayed there for 11 months. That was a long time. He was not happy. It was after he was taken into custody and held at the county jail that I actually interviewed him. Robert Blake's attorneys probably balked at the interview because they don't like their clients to be doing interviews with the media because they may slip up and say something bad. He was a performer throughout the interview, which he later duplicated everything he said with Barbara Walters. That one got a lot of press because it was on video. He said that he loved Bonnie, that she had given him a new life. He said, here I was, a lonely guy, not doing anything, and she gives me something to live for, this little girl. Bobby Blake had a childless daughter from a previous marriage who was now an adult and a practicing psychologist. Delina Blake had officially adopted Rosie while her father was in jail, and she and her husband raised Rosie. When Robert Blake was first arrested, he was Robert Blake. He had black hair, which was dyed. He was cocky and talked a lot. But when he was finally handled by some very, very good defense attorneys, he became a kind of decrepit old man with gray hair. Whether it was in the courtroom or outside the courtroom, he was acting. Robert Blake's preliminary hearing was a sensational two-week mini-trial with gavel-to-gavel -gavel television coverage. Blake had not had a television or movie role in the four years prior to his wife's murder. Now, an entire nation was watching him star in his own real-life legal drama. 
A preliminary hearing in California is held to determine if the prosecution has sufficient evidence to take the case to trial. When he walked into the courtroom for the first time, and I thought to myself, this is one great acting role. He had let his hair go all gray. He had lost all this weight. The guy that walked into the courtroom was a really feeble old man. The preliminary hearing was like a mini trial. You heard from all the key witnesses. Well, when you got down to it, the two stuntmen were probably their best witnesses. I met Robert Blake thinking that I might have a movie job, some, some way of doubling him on a movie. Where did you meet Robert Blake? I met Robert Blake at Dupars on Ventura Boulevard. And he started asking me how I came out of the problem that I had had earlier. And what was that about? Um, it was over a killing that happened with a self-defense thing. So you killed somebody in self-defense? Yes. Approximately when? Two or three years. The stuntmen were kind of dicey characters, shady characters. If he wants to hire somebody to kill someone, you do not go to your priest. You go to the person that you think is going to do it for you. You go to the person you think needs the money, the most disreputable person you know that you can may or may not trust. What happened next? Uh, he said, let's go over to his house for a while. He started venting about this woman that he had met and somewhere at a bar, and he'd had intercourse with her, and she was pregnant. And did he suggest to you something that could, you could do or could happen to her? Yes, that somebody at night could come in while she was sleeping and go up the stairs and pop her. And pop her? Yes. He talked about a price, too. He said that he wanted to pay $10,000. And I explained to him that I wouldn't do anything like this. That girl didn't do anything to me. Did the defendant have a response to what you said? He actually said, why, I believe. And I said, why? I said, well, just your notoriety alone would be a problem. In my opinion, Robert Blake acted every time he was in the public eye. You could tell by the movements of his head, by things that he did, that he was being a very good actor. The judge was taken in, I think, by his doubling over and uh, appearing to be in some distress. Mr. Blake, I'm concerned about your condition, how you're feeling, your health. You seemed a little wobbly, so I just want to make sure that you're uh, able to proceed today. I appreciate that, Your Honor. No, I'm fine. I just, I'm in the pink. I've waited 11 months to get here, sir, and I'm not going anyplace. The jail has taken enough blood to float a battleship. If they could find anything wrong, I'm sure they would, sir. I'm all right. I promise you I'm all right, sir. I believe that Blake was trying to make the judge feel sorry for him, too. After all, the judge was the one who was going to decide whether his case was going to go to trial. The people call Ronald Duffy Hamilton. On how many episodes of Beretta do you think you worked? Probably close to 20. What kind of stunts would you do on that show? Oh. Car rolls, fights, um, uh, you know, whatever came along. The stuntmen were involved in drugs. One was a cocaine addict and one was a meth addict. He started in telling me uh, somewhat of the story about uh, problems that he was having with his, uh, with his wife. He uh, almost immediately started uh, talking about the fact that he was going to have to get rid of her. 
do you remember any of the terms that he used to, uh, to talk about his wife during this trip? He used the words, uh, uh, snuff is uh, one of the words that he used. She could be uh, snuffed while sitting in the car. Then what happened? At that point, we uh, drove back uh, to his residence. And from there, he pulled out a uh, zippered gun case that he opened up. Inside was a 25 automatic. Uh, it looked to be a Beretta and uh, tried to hand it to me. He said that it was a unregistered uh, piece. He uh, made uh, the comment that it's a throwaway. And then if I didn't have my own, then, you know, then this is, could be one that uh, I could use of which I did not touch. It appearing to me from the evidence presented the following offenses have been committed and there is sufficient cause to believe that the defendant is guilty thereof, a violation of Penal Code Section 187. I also believe that solicitations did occur uh, with respect to Mr. Hamilton and Mr. McClarty, and that would be counts two and counts three. The judge found that there was sufficient evidence that the case should be tried by a jury. The amazing thing was that after the preliminary hearing, Tom Mesereau, who had become his second lawyer, accomplished a miracle. He got him bail. I am going to set bail at a million and a half dollars. And pursuant to Penal Code Section 1269C, uh, I'm ordering that Mr. Blake uh, have be uh, confined to one residence and that he have electronic monitoring. We thank the court for your consideration, Your Honor. Blake smokes a lot, and uh, during the trial, because he was out on bail, he used to sit out in front of the courthouse and have a cigarette. Somebody had a guitar, and he played the guitar. One of his songs was Over the Rainbow. Over the Rainbow. And he became like everybody's grandfather. That's who he was. That's who he was playing. Who killed Bonnie Lee? Who had motive and who had opportunity? Motive. Robert Blake. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel -gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. Television cameras were banned for most of Robert Blake's first degree murder trial. Only the opening statements, closing arguments, and verdict were televised. But there was still plenty of drama to be seen. Blake never took the stand, but both the prosecution and defense found a way to put him in front of the jury. Robert Blake at the trial was like your grandfather, your sweet old grandfather that had never heard a fly. During the presentation of the people's case, the prosecution will establish that the victim in this case was killed because the defendant wanted sole custody of their child and wanted the baby away from her mother and her mother's family. The evidence will show that the defendant thought that Bonnie's family, Rosie's other side of the family, were low-life trailer trash that all made their livings, living working for Bonnie in her illegal schemes to scam men. 
He, uh, the defendant thought her sister, her brother, her daughter were all convicted felons. Shelly Samuels, who prosecuted the Blake trial, was an excellent prosecutor. All the judges knew her and respected her. I'm not sure the jury liked her. The defendant became obsessed with the child and with keeping the child away from Bonnie and her family. Defendant's statements to jailhouse visitors. His jailhouse visits were taped. Uh, these are excerpts from those tapes. The only thing I ever say to God is thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the time I had with Rosie. Yeah. Thanks that that other family can't get her. When the is all over, no matter what happens, they're going to be all right financially. Rosie is safe. Those monsters will never get her. That other family. You will see that the defendant hates Bonnie's family. He cannot stand them. But when he goes on TV in February 2003, he lies to Barbara Walters about it. At night, the night of her death, your relationship was a good relationship? Yes. A friendly relationship? Yes. We had a lot to talk about because it was a time when her entire family was going to move to Los Angeles mm -hmm. and everybody was going to have to get situated someplace. So there was a lot to talk about. There certainly wasn't any downside for me. The prosecutor used a clip from the Robert Blake interview with Barbara Walters in her opening statement. She thought that would be great because she used a little clip that made him look bad. The defense said she had opened the door and now they could play the entire interview, which they did. Now, you, you saw and heard a segment of the Barbara Walters interview. I'd like you to watch and listen to a little more extended version of that. What did I have to lose? You tell me. God gave me the gift of the century. I always thought my life was a home run. I always thought my life was a home run. And all of a sudden, at the end of the trail, I get to put the ball out of the universe. And I'm going to complain. And in a way, this was Robert Blake testifying without cross-examination. He was poised and uh, his usual dramatic self. It's about Rosie. From the second I touched Rosie, it's all about her. The greatest gift in the world, and I'm going to try to mess it up by being selfish. Mr. Blake is charged with shooting his baby. He's charged with personally shooting her. There is no evidence, none. There's no evidence, direct or circumstantial, that he shot in the Mesra was no longer his lawyer. It was Jerry Schwartzbeck. And he spoke so softly in court that you could barely hear him. And this was his method. And he was very effective. Without evidence to support their charge, the prosecution has built its case on the facts of two men who were addicted to illegal drugs at the time they met with Mr. Blake. One addicted to cocaine, the other addicted to methamphetamine. Robert Blake's attorneys had a double-barreled defense. One was that Robert Blake adored his little girl, Rosie, and he was afraid that if Bonnie Bakley lived, she might taint that child. So that was self-defense of Rosie would have been one reason. 
The other was that the other dude did it. And look at all the men that she swindled. And look at all the enemies she had. She had made her living for years ripping off older men. She had a criminal record. Robert, he was told, you don't have to marry her to get custody. But he decided that he would. And by marrying her, Rose Lenore Sophia Blake would have her father and her mother in the same place. Who killed Bonnie Lee? Who had motive and who had opportunity? Motive. Robert Blake. He was tricked by Bonnie Lee, and he hated her for it. And he got taken by a small-time grifter. He was obsessed with Rosie. He didn't want Bonnie Lee anywhere around Rosie. He hated Bonnie Lee's family and didn't want them around Rosie. I've heard a lot of evidence about Bonnie and what she did for a living and how awful she was. And that's not what this case is about. Because all that that would lead you to believe is that somehow if a person's bad enough and if they're a bad enough mother, they get to, ki they get to be killed and it's OK. So that's not part of this case. No matter what she did, she, did, she was a mother of four children. She did not deserve to die. I told you that there was no evidence, none, that Robert Blake shot Bonnie Lee Bakley. There's nothing to corroborate that there was a solicitation. Now there's the phone card. And somehow this phone card is supposed to be, well, that's corroboration. Well, what is that corroboration of? It's corroboration that he bought a phone card. So? We know that they convicted Mr. Blake on the night of the murder. They didn't arrest him for 11 months, but they convicted him that night. They haven't proved to you beyond a reasonable doubt he personally shot Bonnie Bakley. And I would respectfully submit to you that if you do justice, you will end this nightmare for Mr. Blake, and you will give him back his life. I believe that when you look at the evidence and you look at the instructions in this case, you will see that there is no other verdict. He's there, he has the opportunity, he has the motive. Nobody else in that one minute that it took to kill her was there. And for what reason would another shooter leave that gun in that dumpster? Take the chance. Only someone who couldn't leave the scene. The defendant. Thank you. Nearly four years after Bonnie Lee Bakley was murdered, a verdict was imminent in the trial of her husband, actor Robert Blake. The trial took almost three months. The jury deliberated nine days. Now Robert Blake was about to find out if he would spend the rest of his life in prison or walk out of court a free man. All right, we are about to take a verdict, uh, as you know, on the Robert Blake case. And when the verdicts are read, I would ask that there be uh, no reaction. I don't want any hand clapping or yelling or booting. Remember that this is a court of law. Would the court please read the verdicts? Superior Court of the State of California, County of Los Angeles. 
people of the state of California versus Robert Blake. We, the jury in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Robert Blake, not guilty of the crime of first degree murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley. The bottom line is you couldn't put the gun in Robert's hand and that's what the exactly what the jury thought. We, the jury in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Robert Blake, not guilty of the crime of solicitation of murder and violation of penal code section 653F subsection B to wit, solicit Gary McClarty to commit and join in the commission of the murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley as charged in count three of the information. Based on the uh, 11 to 1 verdict on count two, um, 11 votes being for not guilty, it would appear to the court that in the furtherance of justice, a new trial on that count would not uh, result in anything different. So I am dismissing that count in the interests of justice. So now bail is exonerated and his bracelet may be removed and his passport returned to him. Okay, I. We have the right to remove oh, Okay. Okay, whatever. Okay, I guess that's it. The jury also said that they didn't believe the stuntmen. And this, both of the stuntmen were kind of iffy witnesses. I personally believe their stories, but the jury apparently didn't. And Schwarzbach did a great job in cross-examining them and making them look ridiculous. So this small band of dedicated warriors saved my life. They saved Rosie's daddy's life. If you want to know how to go through $10 million in five years, ask me. All you got to do is get in, get in front of what? I'm broke. <laughs> I know. I need a job. Blake never worked again. He would have liked to. Any of you gaffers got a pair of dykes? It was sad. Cutters, dykes. He's a very gifted man. He was gifted with a talent for acting that was really up there with the best. Barbara Walters, God bless you, darling. I'd have never got out of the joint with you. God bless you, Barbara, wherever you are. The Barbara Walters interview, is, in Robert Blake's opinion, saved his life. He felt that he could present himself to the American public in such a way that they would think that he was an innocent man, and he did. And I think that he intuitively knew that it was going to work for him. Did he get away with it? Sure, I mean, in some ways he did, in my opinion. But I look at Blake's case against O.J. Simpson, and you know, it's really interesting to see that both of them got off, but neither of them got off in the civil trials, which do not require proof beyond a doubt. I think that both Blake and O.J. Simpson are testimonies living with us to this day of what happens to somebody, really happens to somebody if they get away with murder. Of course he maintains his innocence. I always felt for people who were famous who were acquitted because nobody ever believed they were really not guilty. They're always remembered for the charge and not for the acquittal. You know, now if I mention Robert Blake, people will say to me, oh, is he still in prison? 
Well, he never was. Uh, he was not found guilty. Some would say that Robert Blake gave the performance of his life throughout the judicial process. Since his acquittal, he's not been cast in any roles on TV or in the movies. Blake has, however, cast himself as the star of his own YouTube channel, some 30 episodes in which he reflects on his career, the trial, and life in general. I'm Tamron Hall. Thank you for watching Someone They Knew. There you have it, another episode of the Court TV original production, Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall. If you'd like to see this episode and more, you can watch them on demand on our website. Just check the show notes for the link. And you can see me on my show, Closing Arguments, weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern, where we look at the biggest legal stories across the country. I'm Vinny Politan. Thank you for downloading. And as always, please don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.